Hi, everyone. This is Vanessa Garcia, and I'm a writer. In the industry, I guess this would be known as a pilot. I'm here with my mom, Jackie, and my sister, Nicole, and this is our nest. Let's talk. Like a sparrow building shelter with branches for its young. My mother built a nest with love for her little ones. My grandfather told her, doesn't matter what you have. The only thing you need for life is each other's helping hands. Never the empty nest, my mother always says. Spread your wings and fly, you can always come back to rest. Never the empty nest, my mother always says. Wherever you may go to grow, this will always be your home. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Never the Empty Nest with Vanessa Garcia and Jackie Rivases and Nicole Garcia. We're all related. Jackie's our mom and Nicole and I are sisters. And we've started this podcast because we really want to explore what generational nesting means, what it means to survive as a family across generations and what is encompassed in that term, nest. And I think we'll just give you a little bit of an introduction to ourselves and then open it up to my mom, whose real idea this is. Uh, Never the Empty Nest is her baby and her idea, and we're here because we're in her little nest, essentially. So I'm Vanessa, and I'm a writer, and I have two kids. One's uh, one-year-old, and the other one is three. They're both adopted and arrived in our family when they were just a couple days old. And they're little balls of magic. And mom, what about you? I'm basically a mom. Um, nothing too important. I, um, I guess, manage uh, properties for a living. And I am just looking forward to exploring this experiment that we've been on uh, regarding our own experience and inexperience in nesting actually, in support. And Nikki? So I'm Nicole Garcia, or Nikki, or Nick, or Nico. <laughs> um, I am Vanessa's sister, Jackie's daughter. I am a mom. I am an actress, singer, and songwriter. And I'm excited to be here and talk about this. Yay! I have two kids, amazing children, almost four-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter. And I am uh, across the country from my darling mother and sister. I'm in L.A. All the way across the country, which is a really big deal for a Cuban family. Yes. The pandemic basically uh, made it the first time where we haven't seen each other in longer than a month. So that was a huge deal. So, Mom, I think the very first thing is, why are we doing this? I've been hearing you talk about this idea about the emptiness and there actually never being an emptiness. So never the emptiness for a very, very long time. And I just want you to like tell everybody what and why and what that all means to you and why you're so obsessed with it. I think that, that it started in discovering in my own life, and this is all I can talk about, and I'm certainly not an expert on anything. And I'd like to make that very clear, but I Basically, uh, the most fun and important thing I've ever done is raise these two ladies here. And so I remember fearing the empty nest. You know, we're Cuban 
Cubans, in essence, are an enmeshed family dynamic and tight, and everybody gets into everybody's business, but everybody helps each other in general. I'm not saying that everybody that's Cuban is like that. So I feared from a very young age, oh my God, what am I going to do? I hear everybody about the empty nest, and when your kids leave the, the nest... And when you're all alone, you know, maybe by yourself or with your partner. But I realized one day as they were actually first generation, they went away to college, that I never experienced the empty nest. And I said, well, there's really never an empty nest, at least in my life. They're coming and going. And then I realized that I was not experiencing the empty nest and that I didn't think, and I asked myself, why in my life am I not experiencing such a common thing that I hear about? I also realized that I had parents, thank goodness, and that they're very much a part of that nest. So uh, why? Because first they are your uh, creators and supporters, and then they become your children again. And so that rotating door made me realize that we actually have a nest that's never empty. And so I just asked, I started asking questions, you know, why in my particular situation, we are Cuban refugees. So our families were torn apart. And so we did not have the extended family experience, uh, like many other Cuban families, or actually many other refugee or immigrant families this is not uh, unique to us. And so I said, well, let's, everything's an experiment because, you know, we, I didn't read about it. I, I was just uh, experimenting with what we were doing, which was taking care of our children and wanting our children back home, which was the opposite of what I heard. And then when the parents started aging, let's see what happens. We didn't have grandparents near us, so I didn't know what it was to have aging parents or that what, thank goodness, I didn't know. And so we, I took it a day at a time and uh, made decisions as the need arose. So whatever need we have now, let's see how we tackle it. We tackled it and we move on. And so just by talking about it, I realize that it's very dynamic. Uh, it can be very confusing. It can be very tiring. Uh, it's very magical as well and full of life. So that's where we're at, actually. And I mean, it's really interesting what you're saying for me of uh, this idea that our original nest was sort of cut off because we are, you and I, Nikki, are mm -hmm. the kids of Cuban refugees mm -hmm. and mom herself was cut off from part of her family. Yeah. What does that nest become? That doesn't mean that our nest isn't still over there and over here. It's everywhere, you know? And like, for me, I mean, mom is very humble and everything, but she has, you know, a background in psychology, as you can probably tell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, so, you know, like for me growing up, we like slept with our mom. We had a family bed. My family bed. That's right. You have one. We were raised with our grandparents 
in the same house as our parents and us. And this door or this like, you know, nest, it became kind of a revolving door. And for me, it ended up allowing me to do a lot of things and saying yes to things like, okay, I'll take a professorship in Savannah and also live in Miami and carry my kids, you know, on the airplane with me back and forth and like have this space that we are the nest. Right. For you, it means something even more because it extends across. So talk about it a little bit for you. It's a traveling nest. Uh, the nest is where we all are, I guess. You know, when I think of nest, to me, it's just like the first things that come to mind are like just shelter, safety, home, love. Like those are the words that come up when I think of nest, you know? Most people think of it as just like a mother, you know, protecting, nurturing their kids. But those, like mom was saying, it's not just kids, it's your parents eventually um, or anyone that you that you care about. And you can always go back to this nest, uh, return to it after being away when you need a break, when you just want to hang out and have fun. I mean, there's so many. And then like, you know, it expands. I'm in L.A. now. And so now I feel like I have two nests. I will, I don't feel I do. I have two nests. My nest in Miami will always be my number one, my first home. And now I have a home here, a nest here. And, you know, when I had, for example, my babies, mom came to LA and stayed for months and months helping me with the baby. Thanks, mom. The babies, when I had appendicitis, she came, I couldn't carry my baby. And I went back with her for a few weeks. You know, it's always a back and forth when... Papang, our grandfather, uh, recently left. You know, we I jumped on a plane and went back to the Miami nest and stayed there for three weeks um, to be there with you guys. And my nest here, I just actually had to alter my nest during pandemic. And I pretty much made a Montessori preschool in my living room to keep my kids home. You know, their, their school was closed for most of the year anyways. But either way, I had to set that hole up and create a, an environment for them so that they could feel that not too much has changed and that they felt safe and, and you know, feel some type of normalcy during this crazy time. It's been a, a very strange feeling nest this year, as Vanessa, as you um, mentioned, because we're so used to going back and forth between nests every two months, more or less. We would see each other. I would go over there. You guys come here. So it's been really, really awful, to be honest. It's been really hard because we go crazy if we don't see each other. You know, the nest is huge. It can expand. It can get altered. It can, people can join the nest <laughs> and, you know, leave the nest. But the nest is always there and there's never an empty one. Yeah. Get bounced out of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but I think the pandemic has also given us uh, last year a kind of reevaluation of each of our nests because. We had to be inside of them for so long. Mm -hmm. And then some of us had to actually remake them, I think, you know, yeah. because we've been living in a world that's, like you're saying, more like a net, you know, for good or bad. And there's no right or wrong way to do this thing. And I think what we're also really interested in is people's stories of how to make these things. And I think that for us, specifically why we're doing it right now, and I want to talk a little bit about that, is at the center of this really is that our grandfather, Nikki and, and my and my grandfather, uh, had just passed away very recently. And there was this idea of, oh, this sort of like this big papa bird, this central heartbeat of the nest is now gone from the nest. And it does actually feel like there's an emptiness there. But what do we do with my 
grandma now and how do we respect her nest and her making of her own life you know and then also bring her closer in and make sure that she's okay and that she doesn't fall from the nest right so how do you do all those things and my way is a very different we can talk about all our ways right because they're very different I was like let's have a spreadsheet right now in which we say all the options of what could possibly happen I mean my fantasy is to have this like big giant complex of a house where everybody has a wing I mean that's literally what I want I know that some people don't want that but that would be amazing if the whole family could live together. a lot of people don't want that but a we lot do. Of people we're like that. obsessed with that and that's okay <laughs> and that's okay absolutely we do want to hide um <laughs> it's true but um you know what Vanna was saying is that obviously uh Yeah. Losing Papang is, is very fresh and we had to stop to collect some tears because it's the nest is definitely has a hole. And I think for for mom it's been like I mean it's also something about matriarchs in these nests. Yes. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Because to a certain degree, it's almost like who is that? at any one moment and given in time and and it's it's usually one person but i feel like in our life it could have been our grandfather but now i feel like definitely mom who yeah. who you know it's probably can't talk about it right now is that person but how do you do that when you also have to be taken care of as well in the sense of that you yourself are going through a process of mourning and loss and so how are you the little bird and the big bird does that change throughout life you know because usually in the bird world it's the mom and you you know but it's not always that way and it changes with situations and age and location sorry about that um in a moment of loss and, and grief i think that and i think that this is um could be a natural cycle of the nest, and I'm not sure. Please don't take anything I say at face value since I'm not an expert. It's just uh, our experience, and my experience is that when you are going through this, and if you have to because you choose to, I guess, take care of somebody else uh, or put yourself in service, then that helps you uh, snap out of your own grief. And it's like building, you know, like, okay, now okay, so this now is going to turn into something different. And Vane spoke about respecting my mother's, I mean, my parents were married for almost 72 years. He was 98 and my mom is almost 90 and they've been married for so long. You know, it's like they were a one unit, the proverbial, you know, two turning into one. And it's kind of true as I can see it physically. But we haven't asked many questions to my mother as to, so, you know, respect your boundary and, and, and what do you want to do? I, I said, listen, you're old and you're not going to sleep by yourself anymore. <laughs> and so we live in the same building and uh, I live on the seventh floor. She lives on the third. And while my dad was here, they were together. And, but now she was by herself. So, you know, the grieving process for someone that age can be a little tricky because it's had physical repercussions. So thankfully she liked the idea of not sleeping by herself. And so automatically we said, okay, so then you, um, you can spend the day in your apartment. Uh, I'm 
realizing I talked to her like she was a child, but it's back to safety. It's back to be feeling safe. Mm -hmm. uh, not mm -hmm. so much if she falls or not falls or that kind of logistic. It's about feeling embraced. And uh, obviously, Vane takes the kids there with a nanny every morning. Uh, she schleps them there so that she's not by herself. And so it turns into sort of a little daycare <laughs> slash school, whatever you want to call it, until they start school. And so it just happened. This is why it's such an experiment, because we had never uh, gone through this where, uh, you know, I thought literally that my father, because he was the oldest one, and especially because it was him and the way he was, uh, because this nest started in Europe, in La Naja, Spain, I thought he was going to live forever. I don't, I don't know what possessed me into thinking that, but I did. And so we didn't know what we were going to do with my mother. We didn't plan for it. So here we are. We just told her, Liz, I told her, okay, so you go about your business in your apartment. And at night or in the afternoon, Ivana drops her off like she's dropping somebody off from school. And sometimes, and then listen to my words, okay? And you can see how horrible sometimes they are. I allow her to stay two hours in her apartment just wandering off. And call her and I say, okay, don't you think it's time for you to come up? Yes, yes. And if not, she calls me and she comes up and she sleeps with us. Now, not in the same bed. Uh, we did sleep together for about 25 days. And so this is what we're experimenting. This kind of uh, thing that is sometimes polar opposite of logic and convenience. And this is just what we want to share. This doesn't mean this is the right way to do it. We don't even know how we're going to deal with tomorrow in a way because everything's so new. But just to give it over to Vane or Nikki, we did not have the privilege to live with our grandparents and see how it evolved. But we did visit a few times and we did hear stories of their family bed in La Naja, which is a tiny, tiny little village in Aragon, I think, where my father was born. Uh, and so they had their family bed. And I remember hearing uh, my grandmother was the center of that family. And uh, whoever got sick or whoever felt ill or needed attention, all activity was around that bed. They would have lunch, they would talk, forget about the living room. Now the bedroom would become the living room. And, and so that sort of rubbed off on me somehow where when I needed to, that's where I went for reference and I'm happy and it's worked out. Yeah. It's crazy because I don't know, Nikki, if you remember, but I remember the first time that we went to Spain when we were very little, mm -hmm. I have a super, super clear memory, a sense memory of smell of La Naja where we were in this space and I don't remember it was like someone was telling us oh this is where Papang grew up and and there was something in that town and it was so weird and then this happened in later in Barcelona where he lived later but like the smell of the place linked up to all these things that mom is talking about and I wonder if that's like in your DNA or is that story linked to like how is that linked to smell sense memory is an insane thing I don't remember the smell I was like 
just turned three, so you were older than me, but I definitely have images. Mine, mine was more visual and like the feeling of it, but I don't remember smells except for when we were in the, uh, what was it? <laughs> when you were in the caves when of Rockefort. When we were in the caves of Rockefort. Uh, and I love Rockefort, but apparently it scarred me the, Jeez. the, the, the smell um, with my gag issues that I still have. But um, she gagged the whole time in the cave. I was gagging the whole time <laughs> in the tour of the cheese. Yeah. Um, but I love cheese and I love the stinkier, the better. So anyways, no, I have uh, visuals like I, I 100% remember standing in front of a cathedral or church with a million pigeons. I have never forgotten that image. And I don't know where exactly we were. I know we were in Spain. Zaragoza. So, Zaragoza. I, I totally remember that. I, I remember being in a little room in the dark. I guess they put us to like now the cousins in France, um, you know, but um, I, I remember running through a field outside. I just, it's all like happy thoughts, but I don't have any like smell mm -hmm. sense memory. I totally have visions, like little yeah. snapshots, you know, that come up when you mention that. I just feel like it's all linked. Like when mom talks about this idea of like, they would, they would, really huddle around the one among them that was the weakest in a particular moment in time and then care for that person. And so it's like, yeah. it's almost like you always make the nest around it, this, this care, right? Yeah. Like whoever needs it. And then whoever can go out and fly and gather and come back goes and does that always, even if that means you in LA, mm -hmm. even the pigeons that you're talking about in that vision, like pigeons themselves home. Yeah. They know how to always find home and come back to exactly where they're from, which is just an amazing thing that that yeah. is inside of you. And it makes me just think of like, what does it mean for us to home? Was that what we were doing? Is that why we were connecting to that space? And I mean, yeah, we are the grandchildren of Papang and that was his life. And so that trickles down, you know, all of that, it is in our DNA, it's in our blood, it's how we were raised, it's all we know. And that's how we feel safe. Uh, in our nest, not everyone feels that way. Again, of course, but I mean, it's, it it gets passed on, you know, from generation to generation. My husband um had to just learn <laughs> to. <laughs> he has adapted, you know, because we do family bed, and I was like, uh, yeah, they're sleeping with us, and we all like hang out in this. It's you don't need a big space, you don't need money to have a big nest. It's not the size of the nest or how nice the nest is. It's 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 who's in there and how you feel and. And just always protecting each other. I mean, there's one, like we were saying, like one queen bee, right? But, you know, we all kind of uh, take care of each other. And then we have like little inner nests within the nest. Like I have my little nest here and yours in your home. But we all, you know, are part of the of the big nest. We're great trespassers into each other's um, boundaries that we don't have. Zero boundaries in our family. A lot of this stuff is completely illogical and the opposite of reason in many instances. But somehow it's been working out, maybe because we're all, we have this in our DNA. I have to say, because we experienced it very briefly, but we did. We did. I, I experienced it when I was two years old, when I was five years old, when I was 17 years old, and when I was a about 27 years old. So in those instances, I was able to go back to Spain and I guess experiment in that enmeshed dynamic that I personally 
was able to identify and loved. Mind you, sometimes I want to run. And I do. And I run to my room. And we've been in big houses and we've been in 450 square feet for 13 years with kids and a big dog. And so it works out. So I guess that we just, I love that we can share this and also share with people that think we're crazy and tell us, no, there's other ways to do it. And I'm sure there are. Which we'd love to hear about. I mean, we've always wanted to have this conversation. And know that this is an experiment that continues on because what we're going through now, it was an experiment when my father was diagnosed with dementia and that lasted for about 10 years. And also I opted not to read too much about it. And that was a decision. And so it worked out beautifully. Sometimes a little tiring is an understatement, but it worked out beautifully because we just went with a proverbial flow and we were able to enjoy, believe it or not, uh, for 10 whole years of sort of getting him back as a child of sorts. It was more than 10 years because it was when we, Vanya, remember we took him to Spain right before I moved to Los Angeles. And um, even when we went there, it's so interesting, this whole nest thing, even like where Papang started, his own nest was in Spain. And when we went, I hadn't gone since I was three. I, you know, I had never really had conversations other than two seconds. They'd put us on the phone, remember? And it was hard to hear Spain. <laughs> when we were little, they would call and talk to us. But you, somehow you feel connected to this place that you've only been to once or twice. And it's just a very interesting thing. But at the same time, you know, there's a, a little bit of a difference in culture or the way we are. You know, it's, it's just like a really interesting when we stayed with um, Papang's sister. Mm-hmm. It's such a fascinating thing, the nest. Yeah, I think that like it's it's also super interesting to think about when mom is saying like it's not logical, right? It's not, and that she didn't she didn't choose to read because she was going with her gut. But then I I wonder, and this is something to explore in you know another episode of this is is it actually a little bit Darwinian to do this? Like, is it actually, does it move us further along? And is there some kind of reason to it, even if it is in the heart and that's what's leading us through, like it's already sort of in us as human beings to do it. I mean, we are human beings who like they say, you know, like the, the what is it? The fifth trimester is outside the, the womb. It's yeah, like, yeah. You know, sorry, the fourth. fourth. Doing, yeah, I'm, I'm adding. adding <laughs> it just feels like that. It feels um, that way at yeah. times. But the other thing that I wanted to say is that mom is saying, like, you know, it's not easy at all in the sense that even though we were going with the flow, there was a moment where even my grandmother right now, she had this little blip where she was like, no, I have to survive this and I have to sleep by myself and I have oh, yeah, to sleep she, out yeah. there. And then there's a choice of like, do you just pull her and make her do things? or let her explore that and how what's the danger and what's the not danger and then in one day mom let her sleep downstairs with my aunt in the other room and she was like oh god i never want to do this again it took one day so it's like where are all those boundaries that you play with and you test and you just like you know we're all human beings and we all have our own independent will inside of this nest and I think that's one of the things that we want to talk about with people like 
what are the complexities of these things? And we want to hear everybody's story. We want to hear stories across cultures, across different financial brackets, across countries and continents and, you know, internet screens. So I feel like it's probably a good spot for us to end this first welcome intro episode of Never the Empty Nest and just ask you guys, anyone who's listening, what's your story? What's your nesting story? What are the twigs that have fallen? And what? how have you made yours better? And what kind of nets have you built? And just tell us your story and send it to us at, at our email, neverTheEmptyNest at gmail.com. It's super easy. We're looking forward to hearing them and talking to you. Success, she says, all the great things ahead. I'll be here when it's time to see you again. And if you fall, she says, if someone breaks your heart, I'll mend your wounds in this nest of ours till you're ready to depart.